0: This is Autoline This Week, the show that gets you inside the global automotive industry. Autoline This
1: Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode. Hi, I'm Jai McElroy, and thanks for joining us on Autoline This Week. Today we're going to be looking at the automotive industry's big lobbying group in Washington, D.C., the Automotive Alliance for or the Alliance for Automotive Innovation. And my special guest today is John Bozella. He's the CEO and president of the organization. And John, thank you for joining us on AutoLine this week. Well, John, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. As I mentioned, the Alliance is really the lobbying group for the automotive industry in Washington. But you're also the eyes and ears for the industry, too, as to what's going on. And let's jump right into it, because the industry is really struggling right now with all kinds of shortages. We know about the chip shortage, of course. Everybody knows that. But as you're well aware, it goes beyond that. Steel, plastics. And then we get into nickel for EVs or other raw materials for EVs. So my first question is, what does the United States need to do from the alliance's viewpoint to build up better and stronger and more reliable supply chains? Yeah, you know, this
0: is such a great... Question to start with, John, because you know you're absolutely right. When you look at the industry today, um, in the United States, demand is very strong uh, for cars and light trucks, uh, but yet supply is is at an all-time low. Dealer inventory is lower than I've ever seen it in my over twenty years. Uh, in the automotive industry. So so something's clearly happening there. Um, and, and really, I mean, you can look at the near-term challenge and you can say, look, the lack of auto-grade computer chips is hugely problematic. The backup of tankers at the ports is hugely problematic. Um, the lack of over-the-road drivers is hugely problematic. All of these things are a challenge as the economy continues to robustly exit the pandemic. But I also think you're asking a question that's important strategically. uh, And and that is, um, is is this a cautionary tale for bigger problems that the industry faces as we go through this transformation? A transformation that's going to see more electrified vehicles, a transformation that's going to see more connected and automated vehicles, uh, and frankly, a transformation that's going to see changing ownership models. And so um, I do think Um, That this is both a near-term challenge um, that we've got to work ourselves through, but it's a big, long-term strategic question um, for the health of the auto industry in the United States going forward.
1: And I want to get into that as well. But before we do, let's talk about what's been being done in the short term. When the Biden administration came in, it ordered a, a strategic review of U.S. supply chains. I think they wrapped up that report earlier in the summer. But did anything come out of that?
0: Yeah, I think there's a number of things um, that have come out of it. And I think it's it's fair to recognize that not only does the Biden administration, but members of Congress in both parties recognize the importance of addressing these supply chain challenges and also the importance of having resilient uh, supply chains. So a couple of things that have come out of this one. Um, I think that the Department of Commerce, for example, and the White House uh, uh, National Economic Council recognize the importance of more transparency in the auto grade chip supply chain. And so um, they are requesting information across the supply chain to make sure that we have a little bit more better sense of, of, of clarity with regard to what's happening in the supply chain. The other thing um, that you're seeing is an early warning system developing um, where the Department of Commerce has made it much easier for the private sector players, for companies to be able to reach out to the Commerce Department and say, we see a bottleneck here. And for the Department of Commerce to marshal resources across the federal government to address those, those bottlenecks in a, in a, in a, in a quicker uh, way So I think those are some of the things that are happening. Another thing, and this is fundamental, uh, but it's more of a midterm to long term thing, and that is that Congress is looking to appropriate funding to encourage the development of, of chips here in the United States. Um, what what 's happening is the fabrication of the wafers and sort of the 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 basic elements of production of these of these chips, especially auto grade chips, happens overseas right now uh, and so we 've lost control of our own destiny and I think we need to get that back so Those are some of the things that are happening uh in Congress and in the administration to address this
1: in the short term and in the long term yeah let 's talk about chips a little bit more in that regard too because uh up until yesterday. <laughs> I have been hearing throughout the industry, oh, yeah, things are going to get better in 2022. It might take until 2023 until everything's back to normal. Yesterday, I heard a presentation from On Semi, and On Semi, used to be known as On Semiconductor, one of the largest U.S. semiconductor producers. And they're saying, guess what? It's not going to get better because as EVs come out and connected cars and ultimately autonomous cars, they use way more chips than internal combustion engines, so All this extra capacity we're putting in place right now is going to get eaten up. Have you heard that? And is there a sense of urgency, bipartisan, hopefully, in Congress to address this issue?
0: Yeah, no question. I mean, this is the challenge, right? I mean, so you have a supply-demanded balance that really was caused by the pandemic. That's the near-term problem. But there is no question um, when we talk to, and, and look, we work every day, not only with the large automotive manufacturers and the big tier one suppliers, but also um, with, with the chip manufacturers as well. And what we're hearing is yes, demand for auto grade chips has been reset, more electrification, more automation, more connectivity. There's just no question about that. Um, and so that is why it's really important that Congress finishes, finish its business of authorizing um, investments to encourage production of those chips here in the United States of America. It's, it benefits auto making communities, it benefits auto workers, and most importantly, it benefits consumers who want the latest technologies because they are cleaner technologies, they're safer technologies, and they're smarter technologies.
1: Uh, Congress recently passed a, a 1 trillion plus Dollar spending bill is any money in that that spending bill for these chips, or is that going to be separate?
0: Yeah, so there's a separate bill um, that some people refer to as the China bill, uh, which is an interesting sort of question, right? Because it gets to this big competitiveness issue, which you know maybe we could talk a little bit about. That bill is moving on a separate track. Um, uh, it's already um, it's already passed the Senate. And I expect we'll see how House action before the end of the year. And this is something clearly that is a priority of the Biden administration. So uh, as we can look forward to House action, I think it will become law um, soon after the House passes it. Uh, is it is it done in the House? Not yet. But there's certainly bipartisan interest
1: in getting it done. Well, let's get into more detail on that. That's very interesting. I had not heard of it. W- what's this China bill about?
0: Yeah, so it really, and, and again, let's think about it in, in the context of the automotive industry. Um, the work that our innovators do and that auto workers do in communities all around the country to, to produce innovative products and services, is a it, it is a a prize that countries all around the world are fighting over. You have to start with that premise. China wants a cutting edge automotive industry for the future. Uh, Europe wants a cutting edge auto industry for the future. The US wants a cutting edge auto industry for the future. And that's what what this is about. So, So we have to make sure that we make the appropriate investments in our supply chains in in our manufacturing to make sure that we can win the future. Um, in other words, that we can continue to be the most innovative and the most vibrant automotive sector uh, in the world. It not only benefits our consumers, but it allows us to export uh, great cars and trucks and services all around the world. So that's really what this is about. So I think what you're seeing uh, in, in, in efforts like that bill is a recognition that we need to make investments, public sector investments to support those transformations. And that's what's happening. Um, So a focus on computer chips now, but also a focus on making sure that we can control the supply chains, especially um, for the electric
1: vehicle future um, that that is so close before us. Well, as you know, China's already locked that up. They put together a very good strategic plan 20 years ago, figuring out that the future was going to be electric vehicles. And whether it's nickel mined in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or rare earth minerals mined in California or lithium mined in North or South Carolina, they all go to China to get processed. What's being done as part of this bill or is there anything being done that would make sure that the processing also takes place in the U.S.?
0: Yes, such a great question. You know, we, we had uh, at, uh, at Auto Innovators, we had our Autos 2050 Summit uh, recently, and I had a chance to, to chat with Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm about just that question. Uh, and, and, and and she basically made exactly that point. We not only need to make sure that we can continue to mine here uh, for the appropriate raw materials, but we need to be able to process them uh, here in the United States and to develop those supply chains. So I do think that there is a recognition that that needs to get done, um, but it's going to require. Uh, Congress, it's going to require lots of effort across the economy broadly to make sure that we can do all of that, um, because it really is important. Um, If it is just about getting EVs into the marketplace, um, we know how to do that. But if it's about making sure that we can control our economic future, those are exactly the types of things that need to be happening here in the United States, mining, processing of raw materials,
1: developing battery production capability here in the United States. You, you mentioned that Congress uh, is going to have to spend on this. Is, is that the answer or can this be something that's handled in the tax code as an example, where if you make those kinds of investments, you get all kinds of great tax write-offs? Yeah, look, this is
0: not just um, about the government. Um, first of all, think about the numbers here in the scale. I'm um, $330 billion um, just in electrification. Uh, invested across the automotive industry by mid decade um, so this is this is even in Washington those are real dollars uh, and so so that 's a significant step a leadership step that the industry is taking so that 's step one then what you 're seeing is private sector involvement utilities um, uh, charging developers uh, uh, dealers others coming into uh, the game to be able to make sure that we can sell electric vehicles. And then now you have to work your way up the supply chain. Now you're seeing uh, automotive companies in joint uh, ventures and partnerships with the developers of battery uh, 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 the, the developers of battery packs. Uh, and then, so you gotta keep your working your way up the supply chain. Where the government can be helpful is a number of ways. One is providing encouragement Um, to make sure that we can transition uh, those supply chains to make sure that they're resilient and available here for American manufacturing. I think the other thing where government can be supportive, and this comes to your comments about the tax code, is to make sure um, that that the supply base also transitions from an industrial base devoted to internal combustion engines to an industrial base Uh, devoted to electric vehicles. That is an enormous transformation. Most of the jobs in the auto industry are in the supply base. And so encouraging um, through R&D credits and other types of tax credits, companies to make the necessary investments to transition are going to be really important to this. If our communities, auto making communities, as well as customers are going to benefit in the future.
1: I mean, you're never going to get 100% agreement in Congress, but what's your sense of this actually going through uh, politically, the country is so divided right now. There's still a contingent that thinks that EVs are stupid and that we should not be subsidizing new cars for people. Uh, and, and then you look at everything else that you're talking about, more spending, changing the tax code. Is there the political will to get this done?
0: Yeah, that's always the question, right? We're in a period of significant political uncertainty in the United States and frankly around the world, but where where I think there is common ground is in this idea of controlling our economic destiny, right? Um, you know, we, 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 we often um, find ourselves in very politicized conversations when we talk about uh, climate change and we talk about uh, you know, sort of uh, how we transition to the electric vehicle future. But what I think everybody agrees on, on both sides of the aisle, in both houses of Congress, and in every community that I travel to across the country, it's we need to retain our industrial base. The automotive industry is a major innovative component of that industrial base. And so let's make sure that we invest in that industrial base and that we have supportive government policies. It's not gonna get done without that. And I'll tell you why. Because that's how it's happening in other countries. Other countries are taking a strategic uh, approach to the auto industry. They have national strategies focused on investing in the auto industry. Do we have a national strategy, a comprehensive national strategy to invest in our auto industry? Not really, not yet.
1: And that's exactly what we need. We do. And I, I you know, I, I agree with you completely. But as you well know, there are uh, people who say, "Hey, wait a minute! You know, national policy, industrial policy. We don't want the government picking winners and losers." And it's it's you know a pretty powerful argument. How do you get around that to establish a, a national policy like you're talking about? Yeah, look, I you know I, what I said was we need a national strategy,
0: um, and so I'm not suggesting a government planning exercise. What I'm suggesting is a strategic approach to investing in the auto industry. And by the way, you know this idea of "gee, uh, you know," I, that th- those are those are those are bad words. Well, look at the China bill; it passed in the Senate with both Democrat and Republican votes. I mean, some something's going on here. Both public, both Republicans and Democrats recognize the strategic imperative of. Investing in our economic future to make sure that we can win against China. So, you know, I I, I think that's a uh, uh, you know a debating society question. Uh, you know, is this industrial policy or not? Frankly, the Senate's gotten over
1: it, and I think the House will too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, let let's talk more uh, about the 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 China bill in in that regard. Uh, is Is this maybe a good thing that China has risen to be such a competitor that, do you sense a change in Congress now that maybe the U.S. does have to have more of a national strategy, to to use your words on it, not a policy, a strategy, especially when it applies to the automotive industry? Yeah, I think so. Um, Now, um,
0: we have a lot of work to do um, to get there, um, but, but again, l- l- let's think about what we're talking about here. Um, the, I- the industry is investing. The industry is showing leadership. Um, you know, I mentioned $330 billion of investment by mid-decade. Uh, today, there are probably between 40, you know, roughly 40 separate uh, electri- electrified vehicles in the market. By mid-decade, there'll be 130. So you're seeing leadership um so this isn't the question of gee um you know can the government provide a handout this is industry showing leadership what do we need what are the complementary conditions that need to be created to ensure that we have that success and that we can accelerate you know that so so it's it's three major components one um we're at roughly 3% of the ev market right now right um, we want to get to roughly 50% of new vehicle sales being electrified by the end of the decade. That's an enormous transformation. It's a bigger transformation than one company or one industry. So you need a lot of help. We need building codes that need to be reformed. We need uh, charging infrastructure that needs to be developed and deployed, um, all of those things. So, so, But I think when you look at the customer, let's start from the customer and work back, I think incentives, purchase incentives for customers to have access to these technologies in a more affordable way uh, and to have more awareness about what great technologies these are is is where uh, purchase incentives come in. Next, we need investments in infrastructure. Yes, the private sector is going to invest in charging and hydrogen fueling infrastructure. But I think where the government can come in is to make sure that those investments are Um, are are available in every community uh, and that we don't leave any community behind um, as we we move forward in this transition. So when you think about things like equity, um, that's an important role for the government to to, to help uh, ensure. And then thirdly, and we've talked a little bit about this, investments in the industrial transformation. R and D support, uh, incentives, tax code changes that will allow companies, that will incent companies to make that transformation. So American workers currently making industrial, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, internal combustion engines can make electric electric vehicle components as well. So those are the three components of of the complementary policies necessary. To 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 get to your question, we are seeing um, elements of those policies in bills moving through uh congress whether it's the build back better program or other uh uh initiatives that that are uh being developed in both the house and the senate
1: so i'm encouraged john what would you like to see the auto industry do more you represent the oems the automakers themselves but there's another contingent of suppliers you've also got dealers as well uh Is it uh, an opportunity here to bring those groups together and have more uh, political clout in Washington? There is no question about it. This is a team sport.
0: Uh, And, you know, we've really been doing a lot of work in this regard. I uh, speak weekly um, with my counterparts across the supplier community, as well as uh, the 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 Auto Dealer Association. And it's really important that we stay aligned, that we recognize that together we can seize this opportunity. It's transformative. It's great for customers. It's great for workers. And it's great for the innovators. And so working together is going to be really critical
1: uh, going forward. And clearly there are senators and representatives that are from auto-producing states that are totally on board, I'm sure with what you're talking about, what about all the rest? How do you get them on board?
0: Yeah, yeah. so um, one thing I think it's important to recognize is 10 million Americans rely in one way or another on this industry for their livelihoods in every state and virtually every congressional district across the country. And so that's a really important message that we need to continue to convey. And it's supported by the notion that you've got suppliers that uh, exists in every state in the country, that you've got dealers in every community virtually in the country. And so this is an opportunity for the industry broadly to say to policymakers, this is a benefit in your community for your constituents, uh, whether they be customers or workers, um, to really be part of this transformative industry going forward, making sure that we
1: have that opportunity here in the United States. Uh, I like what you're talking about of this comprehensive national strategy. How do you lay the groundwork to make that happen? And it's not going to be done in a year even, I think. You know, if if it's going to be that comprehensive, this is going to take a lot of thinking and lay a lot of groundwork to make it happen. What are some of the first steps that need to be taken?
0: Yeah. One step that has already been taken, I think, is fundamental, and that is a a broader View of supply chain resiliency. <clears throat> you know the supply chain is really the crux of the matter. You know I had uh, a conversation recently with Daniel Jurgen at our Autos 2050 Summit, uh, and he's a big thinker on on energy policy. And he said it this way: He said, you know, the supply chains are really the focal point or the 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 where where climate change. Uh, and and geopolitics come together. And so this conversation that we're having right now in the United States with the Biden administration and Congress on resiliency of supply chains as it applies to electrification and automation is a critical first step. Secondly, I think another area that where we're starting to see a bit of a conversation, but it needs to be augmented is What are the necessary conditions for success to create a thriving electric vehicle market in the United States? We need to bring together states and federal policymakers as well as all sectors in the economy around the table. Frankly, think of it as a a virtual task force where we're looking at our progress 3%, 4% to 50% over the course of this decade to make sure that the right conditions are put in place Uh, to to make sure that we're successful. Those are a couple of things that we need and a couple of things
1: that have started already. And do you think that we can uh, get this done on a bipartisan basis and isn't portraying this as a matter of national security and national competitiveness a key to getting it done, not just saying, hey, we got to help out the automotive industry?
0: Yeah, it isn't about the automotive industry. It's about our economic future, You know the automotive industry is key to our economic future. We we led the country out of the Great Recession. Um, You know we we are powering uh, the resurgence of the economy now with very very strong automotive demand. So yes, the automotive industry is key, but it is about our economic competitiveness, and I think everybody everybody agrees. The other point I'd make is is what you're seeing is investments taking place now that are really galvanizing. Attention uh, among policymakers around this. Look at investments being made in places like Tennessee and Kentucky as well as Michigan and Ohio. and what that tells you is that that it, 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 that, that, that uh, policymakers uh, in in communities around the country and in both parties recognize the economic value of those
1: investments. So, John, we're down to the end here. But are you encouraged by what you're seeing, or are you sort of wringing your hands and wishing that Congress would move even faster? Yeah. Look, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, uh, I, 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 I think industry
0: leadership is there. Um, I think some of the elements uh, are starting to 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 get into place. But to get to 50% of EV sales by 2030, and to get public Uh, To get testing and deployment of highly automated vehicles on public roads is really going to require Congress uh, and the private sector to work much more effectively and strategically together than we ever have. Um, So I'm hopeful we're
1: doing our part, but we have more work to do. Well, John, uh, you've given us a lot to think about here, a lot of food for thought. Uh, I like what you're saying, cautiously optimistic. That's not quite the message we tend to get out of Washington these days, but I'm, I'm glad to hear what you're talking about and especially the different uh, topics that you presented. Thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, John.
0: Autoline This Week partnered with the Consulate General of Canada in Detroit to produce this episode.